the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Craig Needles. Yes, it is the London Free Press Podcast. Welcome to episode, what are we on, episode five now, it's flying by, and there's a lot going on, and we talked about COVID stuff with, with Max Martin last week, and people are wondering, hey, how is COVID going to impact things in my life that I really enjoy, i.e., we're not going to OHL hockey games right now, but the hope is that there's at least going to be some OHL hockey for us to watch coming up in the early portion of 2021. What's that going to look like? Who better to ask about that than Ryan Payette, sports reporter with the London Free Press, who joins us here on the podcast today. Hey, Ryan, thank you very much for uh, doing the podcast with us. No problem, Craig. I don't have anything else to do. There's no sports <laughs> for me to cover. That's uh, fair. I, I wonder if my uh, chair at Bud Gardens has been dusted off since I left uh, seven I, months ago. I bet you it looks almost exactly the way it did when you left. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you'll go back in there. It'll be eerily similar once uh, once you arrive. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about when you're going to be back at Budweiser Gardens next. And, and we don't even know if the media is going to be allowed at the games or how that's going to work. They, they, they've done that for U.S. sports. So I suspect they'll just have a nice little cordoned off spot for you somewhere in the stands. Either well, way. This might, this might be practice for it. This, this Zoom call might be practice for it, that's right? That's a good call. So. That's a good call. Maybe you're going to be Zooming in to ask, uh, ask Dale Hunter questions after games or whoever it is you get to talk to. Uh, <laughs> So February, that's that's the target right now that we've been hearing. Tell us, Ryan, what the OHL is saying about when their return to play might happen. Well, yeah, February. So originally it was um, it was December first, and that's obviously not going to happen. So it got pushed back, and and last week David Branch, uh, you know, they had a governor's meeting and they had a, a general manager's meeting, and they decided to push it back to February fourth. To give them a little more runway, as you know, Craig, there's a number of issues that uh, the OHL has to, has to deal with. Um, you know, fa- fans in the stands is a big one, and uh, so is the border. With um, they, they've told me from the outset that they want Erie, Flint, and Saginaw to be able to play in their home arenas w- when they get started. They don't want to have to move them to you know Chatham or Cornwall or the other um the other non-ohl centers that would have to be a kind of a host that's that that's been raised a few times they don't want to do that they want their teams there so that means the border becomes a, a massive issue and this just gives them a runway Go, going to february gives them a runway of you know maybe things are going to change and in three months. Yeah, that gives them a, a huge runway, as you said. And and look, I think we're all hoping things are a lot different three months from now than they are right now. We don't know if they will be. And yeah, the U.S. border especially is a massive variable. I, I'm not sure exactly how they do it. I get why they want those teams where they belong, though, because it's not just a matter of moving the team for a while. You've got to find billets. You've got to find oh, yeah. an infrastructure for these teams. So to say that, oh yeah, Erie is now playing in Chatham and Flint is now playing in Cornwall and we're going to have a team playing out of of some rink in Toronto, and that's going to be what Saginaw is doing. That, that that is just way, way, way more easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, to me that that's been the critical one. That and the fans. That you know, the OHL isn't like the NHL. There's not some big TV deal that's going to rescue them, and so they they need uh, paying customers in the stands. And and it's got to be you know. I saw the Junior B come up with you know maybe we can get 150 people in the rink at some point. You know, OHL needs more than that to to uh, these, these teams are, are losing money. Even even right now, there's bills to pay. You got they got still got to pay for the scholarships uh, that that they've already committed to. 
they still have to pay payroll for the people that are still you know employed there and, and haven't been laid off and and they've got other costs um they have to pay for the kids their off-season training the teams pay, pay for that and if you think of that like it's a seven months now of paying for off-season training so that that bill has gone a little higher than they would have expected yeah, I would uh, I would think so too. So d- have you heard anything from anyone within the league, Ryan, about how they plan on having those U.S. teams be where they are and how they might plan on having fans in the stands? What are, what are people saying, perhaps not even publicly, but behind closed doors about some ideas they might have right now? Or, or, or do those ideas even exist as far as you know? Well, I, I think it's just kind of waiting to see what the situation is. You can't do anything with that. And I think we've learned that all along is you can't do anything if the government doesn't allow it, if the, if the public health units don't allow it. I, I think the OHL from what, from the people I've talked to, they've been making plans. They've been, they, they've been, uh, you know, working on their own return to play and they're just hopeful that everything lines up. So they'll be able to get the, they'll get the approval and, and get on the ice, but you know, they haven't made a schedule yet and they haven't put teams in, to little divisions like they, they said they're going to do it geographically right so you can kind of look uh, mm-hmm. around and see you know london probably is going to place sarnia windsor and, and that sort of thing right but they they they're hoping that things open up and you know i could see another delay happening you know maybe you go into march or april the memorial cup is supposed to happen at the end of june this year which is a month later than uh it normally is and we don't even know where the memorial cups it, cup is craig i mean usually we know a year out uh, where the Memorial Cup is. It's going to be in Oshawa or Sault Ste. Marie. And I, I really think, even though I think it's going to, you know, Oshawa has always been the favorite. I think that it, getting the Memorial Cup may come down to how many cases you have in your right. community. And, and Sioux- I know, you know, being from the Sioux, there there hasn't been nearly as many as there has been in the GTA. I was just going to say that is definitely an inside track for Sault Ste. Marie if it's a matter of what does the case count look like? Because Northern Ontario... Uh, and, and I was actually talking to someone who's uh, been doing business there, just not you know remotely, but still, uh, they've been relatively unaffected by this thing. So there's another variable as well, as far as are the public health officials in Sault Ste. Marie or in Sudbury or in North Bay going to think that it's a great idea for a team full of hockey players from London or Kitchener or Windsor or wherever to come up there and play a couple of games. And I don't know if they will. So that adds to that divisional aspect that you were talking about and that realignment aspect you were talking about. Yeah. And Craig, that's, that's a huge hurdle. Another huge hurdle for the OHL because David Branch told me, and he told me again, when I talked to him last week, we're, we're, we're all like all for one and one for all we're 20 teams and we're going to play with 20 teams. The, you know, I saw in junior B again, a couple teams, Buffalo and Welland have dropped out and they're not going to play this year. Now, if a team decides to do that, that's different, but they're not going to tell a team, hey, you, you can't play, or they're not going to say, hey, Mississauga, you're in the GTA or Oshawa, you can't play this year, and we're going to play with 18 teams or something like that. They're not going to do that, and it goes back to the American teams. We're not playing with 17 teams this year. We're going to make sure we have all 20. Yeah, and I, I, I respect the league for at least making a go of it. I, I hope it goes well. How, how confident are you, Ryan, that they'll figure something out, uh, if not by February, a little later? Because it's going to be a truncated season no matter what. Uh, even if the Memorial Cup ends in June, if we're not starting until February or later, how confident are you that they'll figure something out? I'm not confident at all. I mean, <laughs> you know, I honestly, Craig, I, in March when they shut down the game, yeah, you know, I remember uh, I, I was going to go, I, I was getting ready to cover a game on, on the Friday. And when they shut down the season, I was like, literally, I was like, 
oh, well, maybe, you know, in a week or two, they'll start up again. <laughs> and <laughs> here we are in October. Honest, I, I guess maybe I'm an optimist or something like that. But, you know, you know, you know I hope they do. And, you know, I've talked to uh, some of the owners and general managers, and they're like, hey, we want to send an OHL, you, you know, we want to have two OHL teams at the Memorial Cup this year in June. So if it comes down to it, some of the most of the teams I, I suspect would be willing to have a, a small tournament in May, uh, you know, not even a season and, and just kind of start up and, and play a tournament just to get a representative into the Memorial and have that Memorial Cup. Because it, it was, in, you know, from for London Knights fans, it was incredibly disappointing. They're in first place. They're, they're ready to go. And obviously everybody understands, you know, why it was done. But it was it was tough to to lose that season. And I don't think anybody wants to lose a second season. Right. And there's no, there's no chance they're going to, it's exciting that the world juniors, it looks like they may get to play in a bubble in Edmonton, just like the the pros did, but there's, there's no way the OHL can do that. No. And I, you know, I, I, the more I, I become pessimistic, the more I watch what happens in what's happening in Quebec. I understand they have more cases than we do, but um, you've seen teams shut down. Like I, the last time I looked at the standings in the Quebec league, there's been teams that played 10 games and other teams that have played two games. <laughs> I'm like, at some to- point you, you ruin the integrity of the league. If you're trying to play catch up like that all the time. Yeah, no, it seems absolutely ridiculous. If uh, there, there, there's that type of spread, uh, tell us a little bit more about what Quebec is doing. Basically they're doing something not dissimilar to what major league baseball did, which is uh, everyone goes around, everyone plays their, their regular schedule, their regular rinks, but we're going to be doing a lot of testing is, is essentially the shorthand of it, right? Yes, yes. And that's and that's why the OHL has not. Uh, another thing about February is they're trying to get around that, you know, maybe we don't have to test people. Right. Because, you know, that they, they want to stay away from that. The Quebec League, um, they, they got into it right away and at the start of October and nobody in the stands in Quebec. But very interesting because um, in, in the Atlantic provinces, they, they have their own little bubble. And as everybody knows, in the Atlantic bubble. The, the situation in Atlantic Canada is a lot different than Quebec, but yet these teams are in the same league, but not really playing each other. So, you know, Quebec's had all these stops and starts. They've had a bunch, uh, three teams have outbreaks and some of them pretty significant outbreaks. I think the last time I checked, there was 38 cases, um, you know, and that's a lot, that's a lot of positive cases. I, I, I get the sense in Ontario that, you know, one's too many, one positive yeah. test is, is too many, but you know, uh, like David Branch said, I, I, I asked him last week, I'm like, you know, should, should they have not started it up? And he's like, when we, when we met as three leagues with the Western league, the Quebec league and OHL, we said, Hey, if you have a chance to start up, then go for it. And you know, that, that's what, what they've tried to do. And it looks like they're going to try to keep continuing along here. But I, you know, I just wonder, like, like we said, I, I wonder how long it before it just becomes a, a factor of, like you better shut this down because it's just getting out of control. And uh, you, you know, you, you give them a lot of credit for, for trying to start. And I know they in Quebec, so there, there was a lot of negotiation there to start. And um, one of the things was they asked for $20 million to, you know, to make up for the owners, you know, having to pay and, and kind of get this going without, without the revenue or without any revenue coming in uh, from, you know, from fans, uh, from ticket sales. And they, the government came back with, yes, okay, but you got to, in exchange, you got to kind of curb fighting here. So they, they changed their fighting <laughs> rules and, you know, I, I, it, it's, um, and obviously fighting's on its way out anyway, but, you know, it, it just seemed like a, 
kind of a strange way to get $20 million. Yeah, that was bizarre. We'll talk about the government's uh, interference in uh, Ontario here in a second because there have been some uh, uh, mixed messages, to say the least. Uh, what's the Western League doing? It, 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 kind of similar to what the OHL is up to, but they want to start playing in January, I guess? Yes, they want to start uh, January 8th, which would have been like that's around the trade deadline in, in junior hockey, right? right? January 10th is kind of the trade deadline. So they want to get started there and obviously with a shortened season. And, uh, you know, like, I, again, at Jan where we are now, Craig, I, I don't know. They're now Alberta, BC, a different, a little bit different situation than um, Ontario and Quebec. And so we'll see if they're, if they, if they're able to start then I start to feel a little bit better about Ontario's chances, you know, but mm. I, I just, I, I don't see it. And I have a feeling that even though Ontario is last in, in St. February, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Western league will push that back as well to, to start in line with the OHL. Yeah. And that they have to worry about the border situation too. They got five American teams in that league. Yeah. Now, Hey, that's one thing is they have a full, the a full one thing division. where they're in better shape is they have five teams so they could put, they can actually make a, they, they have a U.S. division of five teams and they can just leave them in their own bubble and, and play. The, the, when I talked to Ryan Suzuki on, on Saginaw the other uh, last week, he said, man, if we're in a three team bubble in the OHL with, with, you know, Flint and Erie and have to play them 20 times each, that's going to get pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he goes, so hopefully we're, we're kind of praying that they'll open the border so they could, they could play a few more teams, but you know, that's actually not a bad situation for the Western league to have those, those, those five teams over there. And then, you know, maybe if you get into March or April, May, when you try to start a playoff, so you can kind of have them get, get their winner and then have, you, you won't have to see them. And I think that's what everybody's worried about that. That border is just, um, you, you know, it, it's, it's a huge problem. Yeah. Right. And it's, and the, the case, even in, in Canada, we're not getting anywhere near what they're getting in the U S. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And that's definitely why the border remains closed and, and rightfully so to be clear. Right. Uh, I'm wondering if we're going to see a more significant rate of opt-outs. If the, the 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 three U.S. teams are playing, are we going to see a more significant rate of opt-outs? Are we going to see parents say, I don't want my 16-year-old or 17-year-old son going to Saginaw, Michigan, where there's a border between us that we can't really cross without quarantining for two weeks and things along those lines. I, I don't want my 16 or 17-year-old son to, to go play in Saginaw. Maybe I'll just play Junior B instead. Is, is, is that something that is on the mind the league or do you think that's a possibility i i think the league um you know is hopeful that the the players will just want to pl want to play on their on their own teams right. I, I i don't th i think we're starting to see we'll see a few kids in special circumstances going over to europe uh, we we've, we're going to see a little bit of, the, of that when, when it's um when it's all said and done but i i, I think they're hoping that they, and, and there's a lot of loopholes and hurdles that you have to jump through just to get transferred to a to another team. We see that every summer when the European players try to come over to the OHL, they have, there, there's a loan kind of process that, and there's all the, all the uh, governing bodies have to get in, from the IHF right down to the uh, national governing bodies have to get uh, in, involved in it. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. And I opt out. I, I would, I, I would think if, if they make the case that it's going to be safe, like if, if you can make the case, um, I know when they re recruit players, they do a, most of the teams in the league do a really good job of showing, making parents feel ease about going to a billets and that sort of thing. I, I, I mean, I, I think these kids want to play hockey. It's been seven months now. So I, I'm not sure what the, unless there's a, um, some health issues and that, I, I think they'll, 
want to go back and be with their teams and be in a bubble. But, you know, that said, um, it's it's a fluid situation and it's mm-hmm. changing on a daily basis. But I, I, I think, you know, the one thing you might see is it billets. Is you, you got to look at the billet side. Will, will they take these kids into their, you know, an, another couple teenagers? Some have, two, yeah, two. On, uh, you know, like the Knights, some some have two yep. living. T- I know uh, Luke Evangelista and Connor McMichael lived at the same house. You, you look at all these billets across the league. Will you have enough billets? Maybe, maybe the billets, you know, if you're somewhere in the 50 to 60 range or 40, 50, they, they have parents that are in the 70 to 80. So, you know, it's going to be a dicey situation. I think I think that's one of the key factors. If they can get their all their billets back, then they might have a good chance of, you know, the kids aren't going to school right now. They're right. They're all online. So I, I think that's a positive factor too, uh, because you know, as uh, someone that has kids in elementary school, I send my kids, and then they're playing sports as well. You know, you like to say you have one bubble, but you really don't. You have a couple of bubbles. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and everyone else has those their own bubbles, and then there's a lot of cross bubbling and. The word the word bubble has become a big part of our lives over the last seven months. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it used to be just blowing bubbles yeah. in the backyard, right? Yeah. No. yeah now it's uh, now it's a health thing. Uh, let's talk, uh, and we briefly alluded to it earlier. Let's talk before we wrap up, Ryan, about the body checking situation because oh, yes. we are hearing one thing from Doug Ford and one thing from Lisa McLeod, and those are two very different things. So where are we at on actual body contact? I, I shouldn't say body contact because no one says you can play hockey without contact. It literally can't be done. Now, can there be hockey without body checking? Yes, we see it at the, the highest level of the women's game. We see it in some uh, uh, some, some kids' leagues, obviously, at, at certain ages. But you can't play hockey without contacting other people. It just It, it just can't be done. So where is that at right now? Well, it's, it's, uh, Lisa McLeod said, and, and you know, I've, I've read the return to play and it's, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no prolonged body contact. You think of the scrums in the, in the corners yep. and that sort of thing. Uh, you think, you know, I, I don't know if people know, but when you, when there's a big collision in a hockey game, there are some, you know, I, I don't know what you want to say. It's like, same as football. There's some snot fly, you know, snot flying and that sort of thing. Guys getting each other's faces and there's some spittle that comes out and that sort of thing. Kind of gross, but um, you know, that does happen and that's what they're trying to protect against. So, you, you know, Lisa McLeod came out last week and again, raised a lot of feathers when she said that, you know, no, just incidental co- contact. And it was funny. I watched the empire club, uh, thing with Nick Kiprios and, and, and she said, even my family doesn't agree with me kind of thing. And it's obviously that the, that, um, the premier doesn't agree with her either. And, and, you know, for him to put that out, uh, you know, obviously that's damage control. And I think if you look at, you know, from Doug Ford's perspective, you know, I got all these people that you normally sit in OHL arenas, you know, in London, there's 9,000 in Kitchener, there's 7,000 people that routinely go to the games. Why, why are we aggravating them? The season's not for three months. The OHL came out and said, we're not starting for three months in January before they go to training camp. That's the time where you, you know, start to say that, Hey, there's no, we're we're not going to have body checking. And at, at that point, then you got to make a decision. But I, I don't understand. At the time, it was in October. I don't understand why she was sticking to her guns on that. I, I you know, I tried to contact her and they referred me, her office referred me to her tweets that she was saying, this matter's settled, this matter's settled. And so when we saw that Doug Ford tweet, that was really interesting because it shows there's a little bit of disagreement going on in uh uh, in, in the, the provincial government right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not see Lisa McLeod's tweets because she has me blocked on Twitter for a reason that I cannot even possibly imagine. So uh, I don't, I don't know why, Ryan. I truly don't know why. Uh, but 
it, it, it said something in, in pro- one of the most prominent hockey. Boys. I'm not. Hey, I'm not blocked yet. So if oh, you want to read them, I'll send them. Yeah, to yeah. You. Please send them over, Ryan. I don't <laughs> mind. Uh, I would like to see them. Uh, one of the most prominent hockey voices in the country is, is Bob McKenzie. And he said something that I was thinking the other day, and he, he sent the tweets to Lisa McLeod saying. Hey, does body checking really make much of a difference here? Because you mentioned, Ryan, those scrums in the corner. And these guys are also sharing a dressing room. They're on the same benches. They're going in the same penalty boxes. There's always going to be the, you know, hey, I'm going to do give you a little face wash in the corner. or Hey, you got in my goalie's face because uh, you, you wanted to, you know, screen the guy or whatever. There's, there, there's just going to be close contact in hockey no matter what. And I just don't see how body checking really moves the needle that much as far as COVID spread goes. So if you're saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't do the OHL right now. I think there's a conversation to be had for that. And uh, uh, there are some examples perhaps as to why in, in, in Quebec. And I think that we can talk about that, but we should do it just without body checking makes zero sense to me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it was a great debate. And yeah, I, you know, I read a lot of the comments, uh, you know, online just to see the, the divide of, of, of people going on to, to me, it, 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 it smacks of, we don't want to, as a government, we don't want to shut this down. So, you know, maybe this is a hurdle that you can't get over and you're going to be forced to shut it down. And then politically, you know, we're not the ones that shut you down. But I think people see through that. If you put up enough hurdles, I I think there's enough hurdles there, Craig, with the, like, as we talked uh, at the start with the, with the border, Mm -hmm. if you can get over the, if you can get over the border and the, and some fans in the stands, like 30% or something like that, then you know what, you deserve to play. And if you, if you, and, and people want to come back and they do want to watch the robust OHL style that, that people are used to. Um, if, if they can't, you know, I, I think at the bottom line, if, if they do stick to their guns and if Lisa McLeod sticks to her guns and they say, and the health, um, you know, that the doctors of health uh, in the region say, Hey, you, we can't have body contact. Uh, it'll be really interesting, but I, I think the OHL really wants to play. So I think they'll find a way around it. And uh, from what I hear in other jurisdictions, I, I hear there's some games going on some four on four games and there is incidental con- contact and there hasn't been cases out of that. And I, I think as long as, as long as you come to the rink safe, like if you, if you do what you need to do, and I think this is uh, pretty much for life, right? If you stay at home and you, you don't, you don't take risks, you don't go to Halloween parties, you know, with 150 people at it. If you do, and these kids are, these kids are self, we talked to Connor McMichael, Brett Brochu wanting to go to world junior camp. You bet they do. They, yeah. they want to play hockey this year. So they're being as safe as they can. They're not doing anything irresponsible. I, I, I think the ho- hockey community, um, you know, all this, all the athletic community has been very responsible because they mm-hmm. want to get back to doing what they love. Yeah. I, I don't think it's them uh, causing, causing numbers to go up for uh, the most part. And I don't uh, think there's any proof to that. I know? would, I would agree with that entirely. It's not like we've, you know, seen these huge outbreaks from, from hockey players or uh, at any of all, even, the, even kids, uh, we haven't seen that here in London or, or in a lot of other places. And you mentioned Connor McMichael and, and Brett Brochu, and I'm glad you did because, you know, world juniors is something that if you're a hockey player and you're a young kid, that's especially at this generation, that's something you dream about from the, the time that, you know about the world juniors existing. And I just don't want to see those guys lose out on an opportunity. They've worked essentially their entire lives for, and they've played so well and they've really earned this. I don't want to see that just go up and smoke for some reason. Uh, because we don't find a way to, to go back and do this safely. I think it is possible. Obviously, you mentioned it's going to be a bubble, so that's good. But I'm hoping for the sake of, of, of guys like that, not just McMichael and Brochu, but uh, uh, everyone who would be on that team, that we can make that happen. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And again, I, you know what? Not everybody watched the NHL playoffs, but mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed them. And um, 
it, you know, it was great to see Corey Perry do well. Yep. And, you know, it'd be great to watch. Uh, it would really give us, um, obviously, it's going to be a long winter. I think Justin Trudeau said that the, the, the other week. And, you know, the, the World Juniors would be, I went to the last one last year in the Czech Republic. And I was t- talking to Tom Rennie uh, of Hockey Canada uh, last week. And I said, Tom, we were at the last, you, you know, it's hard to believe that 11 months ago we were at the, what what was is now like the last big international hockey tournament and it was the world 2020 world juniors and and there hasn't been anything since they they canceled everything else right so yeah. it was it was good to see you know they have the money in their tv deal with tsn and and the sponsorship they have the national sponsorship they have it so i think that's what and 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 that's what people have to realize is these these club teams you know don't ha- don't have that that revenue that they can generate without the fans whereas at, at that level they they do and that's why they're that's why they can play and that's why they can test hockey canada obviously has the means to to get private testing they're going to test these guys constantly and just like the nhl did and you know i'm looking i'm looking forward to that because um the, the world juniors is a, like kind of like a, over the holidays yep. it'll be it'll be something especially if we can't if it gets to the point where we can't meet with our families you know if we can't drive around the province and meet with our families which so many people in the province do at least we'll have uh, a little bit of distraction, I guess, to, to yeah. watch. And, and these guys will, even though you know, you know, they haven't played in in seven, eight months. By the time the tournament rolls rolls around, I, I think they'll be, uh, I think they'll be really uh, the the emotion will be there that we've always seen in that tournament. I think you're absolutely right about that, and it'll be the first big sporting event on the calendar, other than the World Series, that is generally where it's supposed to be on the calendar. You know what I mean? Like everything else, like <laughs> right. Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, NBA playoffs and everything is, is, has been moved. So uh, it'll yeah, just the be... Mas- the Masters the Masters is coming up, right? Moved. Yeah, exactly. It's oct- <laughs> we're going to have the Masters in November. Uh, but it, it, everything else has been moved. So it'll feel... It'll just feel normal to watch the World Juniors in December. So I I, I hope that that uh, that event can be pulled off, and I, I'm I'm pretty confident Hockey Canada will be able to do that with sort of the NHL's uh, the NHL's blueprint for how you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And then hopefully after the tournament, the kids that were supposed to come play in, in London and the OHL will, will be able to, instead of going back to Europe, maybe they'll be able to come over here and start training with their teams. I uh, very much hope that is the case. We'll uh, uh, have to leave it there, Ryan, just because we're uh, up against it. Anything else that you want to, uh, to add or make sure that we're thinking about here as we uh, look at when the OHL might be back or what the hockey uh, the hockey landscape looks like over the next couple of months here? Well, I'm really interested about face-offs because my, yeah. my kids started playing and what, what happens on the opening face-off is they line up on the blue, both teams line up on their blue line, like for the national anthem kind of thing. And the, and the ref kicks the puck to one of the teams and then there they, off they go. And there's, instead of, um, to, to mitigate face-offs, um, instead of offsides and stuff like that, when, when, or icings, when those are whistled, there's a tag up rule. So you go back to the blue line, you go back to the red line, and you come back and attack. And it'll be, it'll be right now. It's um, I'm watching four on four at, at the minor hockey level. It'd be really interesting to see if we're going to see it went once the OHL comes back. If we're going to see traditional hockey, or if it's going to be kind of this hybrid thing that we're seeing in minor hockey, it'll be a, a good debate. And I do know the OHL wants to come back with as close to a game as what we left with in March. Yeah, and I hope that's uh, I hope that's exactly what happens. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on the London Free Press podcast today. 
Anytime, Craig. That's uh, Ryan Payette, sports reporter for the London Free Press, joining us here on the London Free Press podcast, which, of course, you can subscribe to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Find us on YouTube as well and at lfpress.com. Back with another episode coming up on Friday. Thank you for listening to episode five. And please, again, subscribe to the London Free Press podcast. <laughs>